Well, thank you. Uh, you need to be careful when you ask for that sort of thing to be. You could be here to midnight <laughs> if I was to tell you my full, my full story. Uh, we'll just read the scripture first in uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Familiar verses to us all. Perhaps many of us have learned them off by heart many years ago. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 28. Isaiah 40 and verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. We know the Lord will bless his word to our hearts, and we'll think about that shortly. Well, I've just, before the meeting, been asked to just mention my background, because perhaps a number of you have never heard of me before. Uh, I was, at 18 years of age, I joined the police. Uh, I came from a police family. My father was an instructor in the training centre. And uh, it just was the direction uh, that that I took, like other members of my family. And uh, first station was Lisburn. And there's where I met my wife. She lost her purse. And uh, she came to the police station uh, because the purse had been found and it was advertised and uh, I was the one that took the statement of her so that's where it all went wrong for her uh, she got me as well as her purse back but uh, I had the privilege of having a faithful Sunday school teacher and I can look back in the, the Methodist and in a skill in there and she impressed upon me as a young lad that I needed to be saved I uh, I would say I was under conviction at that early time, but I got away from that and away into my teens. But I always knew I needed to be saved. I always had that, that conviction. Uh, and uh, when I came across Christians, I was always, what you would say, very respectful. And uh, I encountered a number of Christians in the police. In Lisbon, there was Raymond Wiley, and sadly, Raymond was shot and murdered along with another, Ronnie McCauley, just at Akali, uh, Ahagallam, down towards the lock there. The, both of them were shot, and I think Ronnie survived for a short time, but, but uh, 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 both of them died anyway. But uh, I'm thankful, even looking back at that contact with him at that early stage, I wasn't saved. And then I was uh, stationed in different places and sent... I ended up in the crime squad in Londonderry and then because I played football for the police they eventually got me back to the city uh, because uh, for the football team. And you know, I came under the influence of a, a sergeant who was a believer and uh, he witnessed, and witnessed about the coming of the Lord and so on. And one night, uh, half past eleven at night, there in Tennant Street Police Station in a little office in the back of the station, I, I called upon the Lord to save me. 
And that was a big change in my life. <coughs> big change for my wife too. I rang her from the office to tell her what had happened. And, and that was the beginning of great change in our life. Could never have imagined what would happen. Uh, as the years went by then, we were, became members in Newton Orge Baptist. Uh, Sam Carson was a great influence in that early, that early time uh, as to what I believed. I was very thankful for his, his ministry. And uh, 11 years saved, I began to preach a bit and I got a call to cook. And I went to cook. And that's where I met Ian Wilson and uh, other Wilsons as well who are pastors today. And uh, we, uh, I look back to that time. I was there in Cook for nine years. And then I uh, was in the Tedbamore Hall for a while. And then I was... Uh, preached around a while, a bit well, and then I was in Kilray for a number of years, and finally ended up in Ballyclare for eight years, and, and then I retired at 65, that's five years ago, I've just had my 70th birthday there uh, not too long ago, so uh, uh, that's my story, that's as far as it goes, I'm still preaching around a little bit, helping out here and there, wherever there's the need, and I'm, I'm glad to be here tonight. This is a wonderful scripture here. And, you know, as we reflect upon the years, and just in my conversation, I've been thinking about the years back, we could never have imagined what has taken place, could we? (coughs) What has taken place uh, in these last few decades? The abounding on godliness that is on every hand. Of course, our Lord has warned us that iniquity shall abound in the last days, and surely we're in the last days. And... But we couldn't have imagined the laws that have been passed and the agendas that are being driven. Agendas which seem to be so geared against those who believe the Bible. God's Bible-believing people. You think of the governments of the day and you think of the media and you think of the places of education, the universities, the police and the courts. They're all driving these agendas, it seems. Attacking marriage as instituted by God in the beginning for the well-being of our first parents and thereafter for all mankind. How many weddings over the years I've quoted that. Man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they become flesh. You know, marriage is between a man and a woman. It's sad that we have to emphasize that in these days that we live in. You know, I fear for the children as I think of the terrible confusion it must be for children in these days. They promote killing the unborn as, as a progressive, a woman's right, and so on. It's now a crime to object to these things, it seems. When you take any kind of stand or voice an opinion against these things, you could find yourselves uh, facing, facing the law, it seems. We don't hear any objections from, the, uh, from Christendom, do we? Do you ever hear the four main churches? The media here in the province talks about the four main churches. We don't really exist. The four main churches, they, they uh, are meeting together. Their leaders are meeting together. They're, they're going to make a statement about this, that, and the other. They never seem to make any statements about the ungodly agendas that are being driven in these days. A Roman Catholic priest just very recently, he got carried away and condemned perversion and condemned abortion and they sacked him. They moved him out immediately. He was removed from his, his position. 
Make no mistake about it, the Roman Catholic Church and dead Protestantism and many other these modern groups, you know, they're part and parcel of these ungodly agendas. The stage is being set, as far as I can see, for uh, final events uh, in these days. It's amazing the many different groups that come together against God's people. Some years ago, Jerry Adams made a speech at a private meeting in Fermanagh. It, uh, it wasn't a, the media wasn't there, but they got to hear what he said, and apparently he used swear words to describe unionists. But he later clarified, when the media challenged him, he clarified that he wasn't speaking about ordinary unionists, but he was speaking about the homophobics and the, uh, the religious zealots and those who say they're right and everybody else is wrong. And quite clearly, he was speaking about God's Bible-believing people. We see how many come together in their condemnation of those who believe the Bible to be the word of God. Many might imagine, as we think about these things, that has the enemy turned the tables on us? Are we on the losing side today? Is that the reality? Yes, there's discouragement. Yes, there's weariness. Yes, there's perplexity. Yes, there's a struggle. We're involved in a battle. But dear friends, we're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. This is a song old gospel song says, while well, I'm on the winning side, yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord. I'm on the winning side. Friends, we need to recognize that we're on the winning side. In Second Kings chapter 6, we read about the king of Syria, and he was greatly perturbed because his enemy knew his plans. Every time he planned something, the enemy knew about it. And he was told that it was Elisha. It was Elisha the prophet. He knew all his plans. Where was he? He was at Dothan. And so he sent down his army. The Syrian army came and they surrounded Dothan and they were going to take uh, Elisha uh, captive. The servant of Elisha came out and saw the forces of Syria and obviously was afraid. But Elisha said to him that he shouldn't fear. They that be with us are more than be with them. And he asked the Lord to open the young man's eyes And he could see, the Lord opened his eyes, and he could see on the mountain filled with horses and chariots of fire all round about Elisha. He had nothing to fear. Dear friends, that's my message for tonight. We have nothing to fear. We are on the winning side. We are the children of the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. That's what our verses say. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? How often we forget the important things. How often we get a mental block, we fail to see what should be obvious. How often our weakness and weariness weigh us down and our eyes are removed from the one who is the everlasting God. An infinitely powerful God who never faints, who is never weary. The one who has created the ends of the earth. This is the God that has created the infinite details of creation. He, this is the God that has colored every flower and made every creature. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 6, 28, said, Consider the lilies. Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon must have been impressive. Can you imagine Solomon in all his kingly attire? The queen of Sheba was overcome as she watched him go up to the house of God. How impressive he was. The Lord says, Solomon in all his glory was not a red like one of these little flowers. We've had ups and downs in the weather, but that's what we expect, isn't it? Looking back to the end of January, there was 
we'd had the wind and the rain and all those things. And then we had that, a week of frost, and, and then we had snow. And you know, it can be very wearying. Of course, we're having a little uh, peace, perhaps even tonight. But as the snow began to clear, I was looking out up over the garden. The snow began to clear. I could see the snowdrops coming up. And we have a few early daffodils, and they, they were coming up as well, and the fl- flowering. You know, in the midst of all, we could see spring is coming. And we could see surely the Creator, the one who created all things, the Lord, the one who is Lord of all. You see, what we need to realize, dear friends, that His power and His peace are available to His children. Power to the faint, strength for those who have no might. How vital it is. We have a God who fainteth not, a God who does not become discouraged or give up. You know, there's no doubt that as we get older, we just don't have the same memory as we once had. Uh, There's a chap sends me lots of things on my phone. I don't know, my phone pings all the times and I look and he sent me a message. He sent me a a message somebody has preached or a a thought for the day. He sent one this morning and... uh, it was this, it was something amusing. He sent this and it was, I'll read you what it said. As you get older, three things happen. The first is your memory goes. I can't remember the other two. <laughs> and I thought that was rather, rather good. And there's no doubt that that's the case. You know, perhaps you're like me and you, you go out to the garage to get something. And by the time you get to the garage, you haven't got a clue what it was. And have to retrace your steps right back again. Oh, it's that, that's what I wanted. This is, this, is, this is life, you see. This is the way it is. But you know, we remember things away back, don't we? Forgetting things now, but we can look back. I can look back to when I was first saved. And was in, we were in Newtonards Baptist. And I remember the old men praying. I remember John Couples and Jim Braden praying. Those are two men that stick out to me. John Couples encouraged me greatly uh, to preach and, and so on. Uh, but I remember John Couples praying, and he prayed, he prayed like this. I'm not sure of the exact words, but it was something like this. Lord, as decline comes and old age comes in mind and body, don't let me let you down. He was cra- I'd never heard anybody pray that since even. He prayed that the Lord wouldn't let him let, the, in, in decline of body and mind, that he wouldn't <laughs> let the Lord down in any way. Isn't that a wonderful thing to, to desire? And Jim Braden, too, he was, a, he was an army scripture reader. He had, he, he had a lovely southern brogue. I don't know whether any of you have ever known him. Uh, uh, he was saved on the Nile uh, at a time of war. He followed Christ. Uh, and uh, he was a wonderful character. And, and he used to pray. And I remember him praying. And he used to say, God has no problems, only plans. Where he leads, he feeds. Where he guides, he provides. It's amazing those things that stick in your mind. But you know, he's right. God has no problems, only plans. In the midst of all the turmoil that we see, we need to realize that the Lord is working out his plan. I thank the Lord I was encouraged to keep my eye on Israel. And I've preached on Israel all over the years. And you know, I was very much convicted about prophetic truth and about the coming of the Lord when I came to, when I was saved and I've always, over the years, preached those things. And as, as you keep your eye on Israel and you, you realize the promises that were made to, to Abraham, those wonderful promises 
unconditional promises to Abraham's seed that relate to the land. Uh, and you read, of course, in the Old Testament how that God said he would scatter them to the four corners of the earth. And that happened, of course. It happened in AD 70. The, Jew, the, the Romans scattered them and, and they, they went throughout the whole world. And then they're, they're pictured in, in Ezekiel, that prophecy about the dry bones. They're dry bones in the book of Ezekiel. And that was a, a, a foreshadowing, a picture of what would happen to Israel. They'd be dead nationally. For 2,000 years almost, they were, there was no Israel. They were dead nationally. And yet the Lord said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And of course, the Lord showed him how those, these bones would take form. And these bones were the whole house of Israel. And how that they would be brought back to the land again. Brought from the four corners of the earth. Jeremiah chapter 30 tells us that. In the latter days, they'd be brought back. And over the last hundred years, we can see that has happened. They have been brought back to the land. Indeed, it says in Ezekiel, they'd be an exceeding great army. I want to tell you, in the Middle East, the exceeding great army is Israel. There's no army to match Israel's army. They've had to be to, to survive. Uh, because they've been continually under attack. And so uh, the word of God has been fulfilled and they've been restored to the land. The First World War recovered the land for the Jew. General Allenby took Jerusalem. The British army took control. There was the Balfour Declaration that there should be a homeland for Israel. That was the beginning a hundred years ago whenever uh, they, uh, things began to move. The land was held uh, at that time. And then the Second World War recovered the Jew for the land. Through the terrible Holocaust, the terrible Holocaust, uh, hundreds of thousands of Jews, those that survived, there were millions that didn't, but hundreds of thousands of Jews were displaced. And where would they go? And of course, eventually, they got back. A miracle in the Middle East. Israel became a nation again. That's a miracle in the Middle East. These things have been fulfilled, but the word of God not only tells us that Israel would be restored to the land, but Israel, dear friends, will be restored to the Lord. Israel shall be saved. That's what Romans 11 tells us. Paul says, blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That's the completion of the church. That's the completion. That's the rapture. I believe in the aftermath of the rapture. Many Jews will probably be saved. But I know that nationally they're not going to be saved until the Lord comes finally. And they look upon him whom they pierced. And that believing remnant shall be brought through that time and shall be saved. God is working out his plan. And as we view Israel, we can see that and even in these days. In Isaiah 42 and 4 it says, He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth. The isles shall wait for his law. And Christ will finally come at the end of the tribulation and he will smite the nations that are come against little Israel and he will establish his kingdom. He will establish his kingdom and he will reign from shore to shore and he will rule with a rod of iron. Let these truths banish any discouragement, friends. The same God overshadows you and I. The everlasting arms are underneath each one of us. We have a God who is never weary. We're told here, even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. Even the strongest can faint and become weary. You see, 
we're in a battle and we face attacks continually. We will only overcome when we realize that it's his strength that we need. We will only overcome when we depend completely upon him. He never becomes weary. He never sleeps nor slumbers, says the psalmist. He never uh, wearies by our often coming, not like the unjust judge that our Lord spoke about. No, no, we can come again and again and again to the Lord. He never wearies of our often coming. We have a God who is never without an answer. There's no searching of his understanding. That's what it says. We often find ourselves in situations where there seems to be a dead end. There's no way forward and no way out. Over the years, I've preached on guidance again and again, the principles of guidance. But you know, very often I found myself stuck not knowing what way to turn and finding it difficult and having to wait. And sometimes the Lord makes us wait, and that can be difficult. But you know, we often can find ourselves in that kind of situation. But let's realize he is the key to every door. He can open hearts. He can do what we're not able to do. His wisdom has no limit. We should never despair. I'm sure many of you have heard of the Ari Ironside's prayer, but I'll just for the sake of maybe some who have never heard the story, shortly after the Dalish Theological Seminar was founded in 1924, it almost came to an end because there were, the creditors were about to foreclose. It seems money had dried up, support had dried up, and indeed they were to be closed, on a, closed down on, at noon on a particular day. And that morning, some of the men gathered for prayer. Dr. Schaefer was the president, and he was there in his office. Harry Ironside was present at that particular prayer meeting. And Harry Ironside prayed like this. Lord, we know that the cattle on a thousand hills are thine. Please sell some and send the money. And while they prayed, a Texan man arrived at the door. He announced to the secretary that he had sold his cattle and intended to invest the money in something else, but it didn't work out. And he felt compelled to come and to give the money to the seminar. And so the secretary wrapped the door and called Mr. Schaefer out and told him what the man had said. And he shouted into the prayer meeting, Harry, God sold the cattle. You know, friends, there's no doubt, God always has an answer. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. So often we lament our weakness, yet our weakness is strength. His strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul had to learn that. We have to learn it too. It is his power and his strength we need. We have to recognize our weakness in order to receive his strength. The Lord loves to lift the foolish, the weak things in the eyes of the world. He loves that to confound those who are high and mighty in this world. You know, have we felt our feebleness? Have we realized our deep need? Oh, that we might cry unto the Lord for his strength. We may at times say, why do I face the trouble? Why do I have, to, why do I have these difficulties? Why do I have this pressure? You see, God wants us to see what our own strength is really like. The flesh profits nothing. Human wisdom and strength will fail. It's his power that we need. And dear friends, we need just to plead for it. It's there. It's available to us. But realize this. He gives his strength to those who have none. You see, if we're working on our own strength, and we continue to work on our own strength, we need to get to the point where we despair of our own strength and rest completely upon him. But they 
that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. This is the answer. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Here we have the answer for us. Paul, let me just take you to, uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You'll be familiar, I'm sure, with the verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. Second Corinthians 1, 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, and so much that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. And here we have a circumstances that we just couldn't possibly imagine. These were such dire circumstances that they thought they were going to die. They despaired even of life. But obviously the Lord had revealed to Paul that at a later time that there was a reason. It was that they would not trust in themselves, but in God who raises the dead. You see, we're all the same. Our tendency is to trust in ourselves. And how important it is that we learn to rest only upon the Lord. Moses, when he was called at the burning bush, And the Lord called him to go down into Egypt to deliver the people. Moses had nothing to offer. He was a shepherd. He had been a shepherd for 40 years in the backside of the desert. At one time he was a prince in Egypt. He was a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had power. He had influence. But all those things were in the past. And as he tried to help the people all that time ago, it had all failed. But now he had nothing to offer. He was... And he, he didn't seem to think that the Lord should call him. But he was God's man. God needed a shepherd that would trust him. You see, that was important. He was not to trust in himself. And clearly Moses wasn't trusting in himself. And then he went down into Egypt and, and they, they, they praised the Lord when these deliverers came. Uh, Moses and Aaron. And uh, they thanked the Lord for them. And then Moses went on to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh increased the burdens on the people. And the foreman of the people blamed, came to Moses and blamed him. You have caused this trouble. You have made things so much worse. So Moses came and threw himself down before the Lord and said, Wherefore hast thou so evilly entreated this people? Why have you done this, Lord? He seemed to say, I've just done what you've told me to do, and now things are much worse. But the Lord said, Now shalt thou see what I will do. You see, Moses needed to learn not only not to trust in himself, and he learned that in the backside of the desert, but he learned very quickly that he shouldn't trust the people either. They, they praised God for him coming, but as soon as things went wrong, they blamed him. And friends, we need to learn the very same, that we trust only the Lord. Remember David at Ziglag, First Samuel chapter 30, It seems he hadn't sought the Lord for a while and he was in the enemy camp and then uh, their families were taken captive and the place was burned with fire, the place where they they lived and uh, and the the men turned on him and were going to stone him. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. David inquired of the Lord and the Lord told him to pursue and he would recover all and that's what he did. You see, he waited upon the Lord and the Lord recovered all. Looking away back over the years, I remember I was in a Bible shop in Belfast, and, and this is quite a while ago. I was in the police at this time, 
And I noticed another man in the Bible shop, and I was surprised to see him there because I didn't know him as a Christian. He was a senior police officer. And I went over to him and I said, well, what are you doing in here? And he told me that he had been saved uh, at an earlier time, years ago, but had backslidden. But he had recently come back to the Lord. And I was told I was glad to hear that he had come back to the Lord, and he obviously was in looking for some helps to the word. He rang me up then when he heard I was leaving the job uh, and was going to preach full time. And he wanted to take me out for a cup of coffee, and so I went out with him for a cup of coffee. He sat down and he told me his story. At one time he'd been preaching around the gospel halls. He'd been preaching around the halls and going on well with the Lord. And then he had, he had begun to seek promotion. And as he went up the ladder of promotion, he left the Lord behind. And he backslid. And you know, he started to weep. He began to shed tears. It was a bit embarrassing at the start, but he, he, he wept. And he said, I'll never get back what I had. I'll never get back. But I tried to encourage him by saying about David and Ziglag, that he recovered all. He waited upon the Lord. He sought the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord and he recovered all. But he said, no, no, I, I'll never get back what I had. And perhaps there is a cost in some senses. But you know, the answer at the end of the day is that we need to wait upon the Lord. Sometimes, dear friends, we're burning the wick and, and not the oil. Sometimes we fail to realize that the Lord has said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Although we may cast the burden upon the Lord and, uh, and not be carrying the burden ourselves. There's a story told of three preachers. They were having a bit of fellowship in a, in a big hall room. And there happened to be a telephone engineer in the background working away. And they were discussing prayer. And actually they were discussing what they thought was their best posture for prayer. And they had different opinions as to which was their best posture. The tele, uh, telephone engineer just couldn't help himself. And he, he interrupted them and he said, I have found the most powerful place for prayer is when dangling upside down from a telegraph pole, 40 feet up, held only by the heels. That was his best place for prayer. And I think we're all about the same. That is when the trouble comes and when we find ourselves in difficulty that we can really take hold of the Lord in prayer. The answer is we wait upon the Lord. What is the result? Renewed strength. That's what it says. Renewed strength. There'll be strength for every situation. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You would almost think it should be the other way around, wouldn't you? That maybe walking, running, and then to mount up his wings as eagles. I was down the road one day, uh, down below our house, and there's a field there, and, uh, and they, there was a big bird of prey just in the middle of the field. I don't know, probably more likely to be a buzzard, but it was eagle-like anyway, and, and it just lifted the wings. And without much movement, it just caught the wind, and away it went. They're wonderful to watch, the eagle, the way they, they're able to, 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 to lift up. Not like an old swan. You never see an old swan taking off, clap, 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 clap along the water. No, no, not like that. And this is the miraculous, surely. This would be uh, that which is impossible, to fly, mount up with wings as eagles. You see, renewed strength, indeed. Uh, there's also uh, the answer here to even 
the impossible situations that we face. And then there's the strenuous situations we face, running, the difficult situations. Yes, uh, this is surely uh, the answer that we wait upon the Lord, and, and we're able to do those strenuous and difficult things. But then there's the walking, the walking. <coughs> and you know, it's the more laborious things, the everyday things. How important it is that we keep on walking. Surely it's the most important of all that we keep going on with the Lord and keep going on walking. Many years ago, I don't know whether any of you have heard Harold Peasley from South Africa. He was over here preaching at different times in the past. He was in the company of Jackie Hughes uh, and he was uh, touring around different places and he called into our house when I lived up in Mid-Ulster and we had a cup of tea together and Harold Peasley said to me, Brother, what's your gift? And uh, he said, Jackie here, his gift is evangelism. He says, what's your gift? <clears throat> now, to be quite honest, I wasn't going to put any gift that I had or I thought I had. And I just said to him, I'm a plotter. I'm a plotter. I never thought much more about it. It sort of ended the conversation anyway. Uh, I'm sure he didn't have a clue what I was talking about. But my wife came home one day with a book by Warren Wearsby. In praise of plotters, those who keep going, they keep going, they keep walking, keep going on. And at the end of the day, friends, that's the most important thing. We keep going on. We keep looking up. We keep looking for the blessed hope. We keep looking uh, toward our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll finish there. Thank you very much.